Amen, amen. Oh, how are you this morning? Good. <laughs> we are going to continue this series on uh, the gifts of the Spirit. We've been in this for, what is this, six weeks or so? Um, we will somewhat finish it up next week, um, but there will be more in it following. It's just a different uh, thing. But as far as the gifts, we'll finish up probably next week. Um, I want to encourage you, uh, as Pastor uh, Ted said, Wednesday nights, deep dive, it's, uh, we get into some fun stuff. Uh, so you want to be a part of that. All right, let's go. First Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse uh, 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be unlearned, ignorant. So what does he not want the, the body of Christ to be? Ignorant. He doesn't want you to be unlearned about the gifts of the Spirit. So that means that the body of Christ should be actively involved in learning, understanding, and practicing the gifts of the Spirit. Jump, amen, amen. Jump down to verse 4. There are various gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are various operations, but the same God who operates in all of them and a few people. In all people. So he wants the gifts of the Spirit operating in all people. <clears throat> Verse, uh, where are we at? Seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to how many? Everyone for the common good. I believe King James Version, this is modern English, but I believe the King James says, for the profit of all. So he wants the, so the gifts of the Spirit are given to everyone. The gifts are given to everyone, not just, I want to walk in this one, I want to walk in that one. No, I want to walk in the one needed at the time because that's the best one. And I want to be ready and, 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 and ready to go when the Holy Spirit says go. And it's not so I can bring glory to myself, but it's to profit someone else. Amen. Verse 8, to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom by the spirit, uh, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Look at verse 11, but the one... And very same Spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as he wills. Now, that doesn't mean he's given you this one and you've given you that one. As he wills, wherever it is, he will give you what you need to operate in at the time. It's given to everyone individually as he wills. So let's go to the breakdown. We've been looking at these, and by now you should have these memorized. You should be able to say it. It's been six, it's five weeks now already. This is six, week number six. The first category of gifts are the revelation gifts. These are gifts that reveal something. In this gift, you have word of wisdom, word of knowledge, 
and the discerning of spirits. These are gifts that reveal something. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The second category are power gifts. And this seems like what everybody wants. <laughs> and in this one, you have the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and like we looked at last week, gifts of healings. And finally, we have, and what's what we're going to start today, is the vocal gifts. Uh, these are the most common in operation in the New Testament church of any of the rest. All of them should be operating at all times, okay? But these are the most common that, that should be in operation. Uh, these are the gifts that say something. They're vocal gifts. In other words, guess where they're going to come from? Your mouth. <laughs> all right? So first we have prophecy. Then we have a, a different kind of tongues. And, and then we have interpretation of tongues. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you, next week we're going to put different kind of tongues and interpretation of tongues together. And then after that, we're going to talk about tongues in the, individuals, in the individual believers' lives. Because what he's talking about in the gifts of the Spirit is different than what should operate in your everyday prayer life. Try it over here. What he's talking about in gifts of the Spirit is different than what should be operating in your prayer life. He wants you to pray in other tongues. We're going to look at Scripture. If he didn't want us to do it, he would have take it, made sure it was, wouldn't put it in the Bible. It wouldn't put it in the Word. But he wants us to operate in these gifts. And so today we're going to talk about probably one of the most prevalent in the church today. And it should be. And that is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says, pursue love or follow after love. So what's our first desire? Love. That's our pursuit. That's our follow. Follow after love. And desire spiritual gifts. Well, I just don't think the church needs to be operating in spiritual gifts. All that stuff, not, it's not for today. Then why did he tell us to pursue love? And why did he say that you should have a desire? You should have a desire. Well, I just don't have that desire. Then fix yourself. <laughs> well, I just want God's will. Well, guess what? God, I'm just read it to you. God's will is for you to, to desire spiritual gifts. Yeah, but all this is weird and it's freaky. No, it's not. Matter of fact, most, most of the time believers walk in a lot of spiritual gifts and don't realize they're doing it. I know a lady right now who goes to a church that doesn't necessarily believe that the, spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today, who is one of the most prophetic people I have ever met. Now, I'm talking at times she jumps into the office of a prophet where she will label days on you. And she can tell you uh, in, in X amount of time. And if it doesn't come down to that, I'm like, geez, Louise. So when she speaks, I listen. It's like E.F. Hutton. Some of you will remember that. Some of you won't. <laughs> 
But he tells the church here, you need to desire spiritual gifts. It's your desire. And especially that you, now look at this. Follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. He says, desire spiritual gifts. Everybody, everybody in this room, you're watching online, glad you're here. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Prophecy is that one gift that he says, desire them all, but especially because the impact that you can make on somebody's life when you operate in the gift of prophecy is just absolutely can be life-changing to the person who hears it. I hear myself. <laughs> I wasn't hearing voices. <laughs> Follow after love. Pursue love. Desire all spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Jump to verse 5. I desire, hang on to your seats. I desire that you all Speak in tongues. We'll read that again next week. Well, I believe that's done away with. You can't find one place in the Word of God that says that these gifts are done away with. Not one. If you'll, if you'll honestly read it, he says, I desire that you all speak in tongues, but even more. Now, some of us who might be around Pentecostalism for a little while, may get hung up right here because we get hung up on the fact that, man, once we spoke in tongues, we have arrived. <laughs> I had a real good service and I spoke in tongues and, man, I am set to go now. Listen, that's all good and dandy, but he says, I desire that you all speak in tongues, but even more than your little tongues, mm, come on, but even more that you prophesy. So I believe this gift is important. Oh, for greater is he who prophesies. Just got to let things settle. For greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues. <laughs> but he wants everybody speaking in tongues. He already established that. He says, but more so that you prophesy. He says, for greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. So settle this right now. It takes both speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not talking about your prayer language. I'm not talking about your praise language. I'm talking about in a church setting or in a setting where you are ministering to someone. If I walk over here and just begin to speak in tongues in Mary's face and walk away, you know what that does for her? Not one thing. But if I go over here and I speak in tongues in Mary's face, hi Mary, and then I interpret, then she can understand what God is trying to say to her. But if I prophesy, I can skip that whole thing and just begin to speak from the very throne of God what God wants her to hear. It takes tongues and interpretation of tongues to equal the gift of prophecy. 
because you're skipping that middle process. You're hearing from the throne of heaven and you're declaring to that person what thus says God right now to them. That's why he says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but especially that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, because if I just go over here and speak in their face, it does nothing for them. Mm. Are you with me? For greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. In other words, prophecy, tongues and interpretation is for the benefit of everyone else. Right? These are gifts of the Spirit. So again, it takes both tongues and interpretation to equal the gift of prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Now, if somebody's Chinese and they prophesy, they'll probably prophesy in Chinese. All right? Doesn't mean to be your known tongue. But it's a known tongue. It's something that you know. So when you prophesy, you are just speaking. Now, I want to give you a few words here. Um, in the Hebrew, that word prophesy it means to flow forth, to bubble forth like a fountain, to let drop. It's to lift up, to tumble forth, and to spring forth. So when you're prophesying, it is bubbling forth and lifting up. In the Greek, it means to speak for another, to speak for God, or to be his spokesman. So when, and I'm not talking about the office of a prophet, because when the office of a prophet is in operation, it's totally different than someone who prophesies. In, in, in simple prophecy that everybody should be doing right now, you are just speaking forth what God is saying. It's no foretelling in it. But when a, when a person who steps into the office of a prophet, they will then begin to foretell the future of things. Come on. So everyone can prophesy. It's hearing what God is saying about a person and speaking it, bubbling it forth and begin to declare from the throne room of heaven what God is declaring to that person right now. So it means to speak for another, to speak for God. Go back to verse 3. But he who prophesies, or go to verse 3, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification and exhortation and comfort. So how do we, how do we judge prophecy? By these three things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so... If, now again, this is prophecy, not the office of a prophet. Office of a prophet will correct you and direct you. Prophecy is going to operate it within the, the confines of these three things, because this is what the Word says. He who prophesies speaks unto men for their edification, their exhortation, and their comfort. So what is edification? What does it mean to edify someone? 
Now, again, I'm just telling you, this is what prophecy. And everyone can do it. Everyone should be doing it. You should be prophesying. Now, again, there's no foretelling in this. You're not trying to tell their future. Although there's, there may be some foretelling coming. So edification. I don't know. Did I put it up there? I did. Uh, edification is the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. It is the growth of a person, it's when the growth of a person is furthered. So if someone is going to prophesy to you, it's going to, what is it going to do? It's going to cause you to grow spiritually. If it tears you down, run. And the next time they say, I have a word for you, go, ha la 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 la. Unless they're a proven prophet. He said, so what's it going to do? If, someone's going, if we're going to prophesy to people, it should be for their growth, to, to encourage them into holiness, to encourage them into happiness. It's when their growth is furthered. They're going to the next level. We're talking about spiritual gifts here. So what you're doing is you're hearing from heaven what God wants to say to this person, let me tell you, God, God will correct you. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't ever think that God won't correct you. But I promise it'll be the most loving. <laughs> it'll be the most loving and gentle. Listen, I was flat out a heathen. I hung around with, the, with, with um, I'm telling you, I hung around with a guy that was a, a confessed warlock who took me into the, some of the same stuff. My poor mama, if she's watching. She's heard it all before. I was bad. Man, I remember going in my bedroom one night and, and, and had just got in a fight, to be honest with you. I'm just being be transparent, right? And uh, I was handled pretty well. And, and I remember actually praying to Satan. And I said, I've seen what he's got. Let's see what you've got. Then I was living in Westerville, Ohio on Ivydale Drive. You know where that's at? <laughs> I was on the phone with my mom and she asked me if I went to church that day. And it made me so mad. I faked a fight with my mother to get her off the phone. And when I hung up, you know what Holy Spirit said to me? You know what you need. That's it. He didn't say, you low down dirty piece of scum. You've turned your back on me. You've done all this. All he said is, you know what you need. And I said, yeah, I need to go in another room. And that's exactly what I did. And when I walked in that room, guess who was there waiting on me? And he said again, he said, you know what you need. I said, yeah, I need to go upstairs and go to bed. So I ran upstairs, Jeff. And when I got upstairs in my bedroom, there he was. And you know what he said? Listen, I'm going to strike you dead. No, he said, you know what you need. I'm like, yeah, I need to go sleep in the other room. 
So I ran to the other room and ran into him. So don't think that he won't correct you. He was correcting me. He was bringing me back to my first love, just like a lover always does. So there will be correction sometimes, but it's going to be for edification, for your spiritual growth. So when we prophesy, we are prophesying into Carol's life what we hear God saying. And if it doesn't edify, if it doesn't cause her to grow, if it doesn't cause her to come up higher in her Christian life, then she needs to run Then he said it was for exhortation. Look at the definition of exhortation here. Exhortation means to encourage, to embolden, to cheer. And the primary sense of the word, it means to excite or to give strength to their spirit or their courage. And it's to entice them to do good. So what we should be doing as a body when we prophesy, when, when, when Jody or whomever will come up here and, and, and take a mic and begin to prophesy, it should be edifying, building up, strengthening, and it should be encouraging, exciting, pushing you forward in your spiritual life. But the church has gotten real good at gloom, doom, despair, and agony on me, and deep, dark depression, and excessive misery, and if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And we call it prophecy. The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Well, according to what the Word says, that kind of prophecy don't fit into what Scripture says. Come on. But we're so easily led into this other stuff. And then it means, he says, who, he who speaks in an unknown tongue in verse 3, in, in unknown tongue, who, who prophesies speaks unto men for edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort. Look at comfort. Comfort is any address, whether made for the purpose of persuading or arousing, stimulating, calming, and consoling. You ever got around those folks who want to speak a word to you and you felt dirty and bad and you feel like scum after they had that word for you and you're I'm just awful. They probably didn't hear from God. Now again, I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. Office of a prophet can come in and cut your legs out from under you. But I guarantee it'll be done in love. Come with me. Prophets, in, 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 especially in the Old Testament, man, those were some rough dudes. Thank God for grace, and we're under a new covenant. <laughs> Amen. Where we pursue love and everything, even in hard words. So when we prophesy, this is why this should be happening in the New Testament church more than any, because it is edifying, folks. It is encouraging. And let me tell you, hang on, grab your seats and hold on tight. Even if you prophesy to a non-believer, it'll still be edification, exhortation, and comfort. <laughs> Well, I no, 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 no. 
You can't decide because of the person that prophecy has a different definition. <laughs> this is why people get upset when they hear of believers prophesying good things to non-believers. You know God loves them. He's never stopped loving them. And he believes in them whether they believe in him or not. And he loves them whether they love him back or not. And he's got good words for them whether they want to accept it or not. Come on. And you know what these words will do? It'll draw. Remember, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to me. Oh, come on. So if I'm going to operate in prophecy, it's always going to be edification, exhortation. It's always going to be comfort. No matter who I'm prophesying to. Okay, thank you, Pastor Dave. Go to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. You ever woke up and just wanted somebody on your mind? And the next day, and the next day it seems like you run right into them and you haven't seen them in six months. And all of a sudden you have this urge that God says, tell my love. Tell them I've got something in store for them. Tell them I've got a plan for them. Tell them something good about me. And you're like, God, you know what he's asking you to do? Operate in the gift of prophecy. That's all he's asking of you. You've got, to be the, you've got to be the mouthpiece here. You've got to be this mouthpiece that speaks for God. That's what prophecy is, to speak on behalf of another. Verse 8 of Acts 21 the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and arrived at Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, uh, uh, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. And he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So yes, women prophesy too. Come on. <laughs> he had these four girls that prophesied. They prophesied so much. Look what happened. And while we stayed there many days, they sat and listened to these four girls prophesy. Many days. <laughs> and then a prophet showed up. Now I want you to say, why are you bringing this out? Because you had four girls who were prophesying and then the office of a prophet shows up. These are differentiated here on purpose. You have four who prophesied and then a prophet shows up. He says, and, and, and uh, where are we at? Ten, thank you. And then a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and when he had arrived, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands. Now, this is not a, 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 a word that sounds good to a lot of people. This sounds like a rough word coming here. He said he took Paul's belt and he bound his hands and his feet, saying, the Holy Spirit says, in this manner the Jews at Jerusalem shall bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. 
He began to now prophesy as an office of a prophet that Paul would be bound hand and foot and would be taken prisoner uh, back back at Jerusalem. So we have here four women who are prophesying. So what are they doing? They're bringing words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now we see a prophet enter the scene and he's bringing a word of arrest. Well, that don't sound good. Again, the office of a prophet may operate and will operate differently than than the normal prophecy that everyone should be operating in. They were both operating in a gift of prophecy but different in their offices that they were having. Agabus had a message. But let me tell you something, folks. This was not a bad news message. Now, wait a minute. How can you see you prophesying that somebody's going to be bound hand and foot and taken prisoner not be a bad message? Because to everyone else it sounds bad, but to the one who the prophecy was meant to, it didn't hurt his feelings, it didn't tear him down, and it didn't bring him down. Matter of fact, it excited him. I can prove it. Chapter, I mean, verse 12, same chapter. And when we heard these things, both we and the residents implored him, don't go to Jerusalem. Please don't go. Verse 13, then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? Prophecy, that hard word from the prophet didn't break his heart. See, even though it may be a hard word coming from a prophet, it still brought comfort to Paul. To everybody else, they're like, man, you just don't go to Jerusalem. We can get around this prophecy. But Paul said, listen, this word didn't break my heart. You're breaking my heart doing so much whining and crying. Come on. Paul said, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but to also die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. And when he would not be persuaded, he said, this is my word. I'm going to hang on to it. Even though it was a hard word to the one who was meant to receive it, it was still a joyful word. You don't have to understand the word if it's not meant for you. Try that again over here. You don't have to understand the word if it's not meant for you. And while it may sound like a hard word to you, to the one with who, to whom it's meant, it may be an exact direction that God's already dealing with that person on. And when he would not be persuaded, we kept silent and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, I'm going to skip on. But today's a short message. For me. <laughs> Somebody said amen. I heard them. I know they did. I just want to cover oftentimes what you hear, and we call it many different words in, in the church world today. If you're in the charismatic Pentecostal world, we call it prophetic worship. In 
other non-charismatic, non-Pentecostal worlds, they call it spontaneous worship. It's the same thing. Listen, we've got stuff set up over here for prophetic art. That's not just, that's not Tina's setup over there. Tina's the one that uses it all the time. You know what prophetic art is? If you're an artist, listen to me. Maybe God's dealing with you. Prophetic art is seeing a picture during worship or during a word that as God shows you what that picture is, you paint it during that worship time. What are you doing? You are releasing what he is showing you for the rest of us to enjoy. If you're an artist, come talk to me. Saying, hey, I see pictures during worship. I see pictures while you're preaching. Listen, Glenn's, uh, pray for him. He's having a little bit of issue this, this weekend. But his boys will back, sit back there and will draw things while I'm preaching. Um, Maisie, thank you. Maisie, Ted and Jody's granddaughter, will sit here and she will draw things. What God is showing her of the interpretation of my message. That's what prophetic art is. Seeing what God is saying and putting it into, he may show it to you in picture. And if you're an artist and and you say, man, I see stuff like this, come and talk to us. We'll set you up. We'll give you space over there too. Amen. But a lot of times what we hear in worship people call spontaneous or whatever. It's actually prophetic worship. It's when worship leaders, and you know there's not just one, right? I tell, I tell our team, I've told our team a lot in the past that you're not worship leaders, you're lead worshipers. They should be the ones out front, right? But when one begins to just come up with all these words, what is all this stuff? That's prophetic worship. That is hearing what is echoing in their spirit and they begin to sing those words. And it should be happening. And it should happen a lot. Why do you think we get stuck on certain, well, why are they repeating that several times? Because that's what's echoing in the spirit at the time. And if that's what's echoing, folks, let me tell you something. We were here a few weeks ago uh, Amy pulled out her ear, but she started listening. She said, you hear that? Because you can hear angels joining and singing. And if you listen, you can hear heaven right now. It's not some weird, stretched, far-off thing. Paul and most writers say that he was referring to himself. He said, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but he was caught up into the third heaven, and he saw and heard things. God wants you to have third heaven experiences. He wants you to see what may need to go on a canvas. He wants you to hear what the echoing in the spirit realm is. And we may call it spontaneous. You can call it whatever you want. What it actually is, and whether they realize it or not, it's operating in a moment of prophecy that's bringing edification, exhortation, and comfort. Well, now, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. You, they have Holy Spirit in them. <laughs> He's just doing what he does. 
But we need to be open to it. So I just want to look at prophecy and worship. And we're talking about the simple gift of prophecy. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. And folks, I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, we are going to dive into 1 Corinthians 14. I hate to say a deep dive, because we try to save that for Wednesday, but... <laughs> But we are going to get into 1 Corinthians 14. So look at verse 26. How is it then, brothers, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. What does this tell you was happening in the Corinthian church? They had tapped into what God was speaking and when they got together, everybody, they had a psalm, they had a teaching, they had a tongue, they had a revelation, they had an interpretation of that tongue. It was so much so that they came in and the place just began to operate in the gifts without any structure. First Corinthians, go ahead. First Corinthians 14 is not putting a stop to anything. It is putting structure of what should happen within a local body. He says, man, you come together, you got all this stuff happening. So all of it was happening. And he said, so here's what he's going to do. He's going to begin to lay structure down for him. And this is why it's important in worship is for our, our, our leaders. We had, almost called you Sheila. When Shirley begins to speak what she's hearing, that's just prophecy. She's saying, I hear God saying through worship. She hears it during the worship song. That's just, just a word of prophecy. Take it. It's what God is saying right then. When whoever takes a mic. Now we know that not every time somebody takes a microphone is a prophecy. Some people like to get up here and testify. Well, the, you know, during that time, this isn't testimony time. This is what I hear God saying from heaven to edify, to comfort, and exhort you. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody say two more. That means nothing. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine. For that is reckless living. But be filled with the Spirit. He wants you filled with the Spirit. He wants you overtaken with the Spirit, not overtaken with something else. That's the purpose of, of that verse there. He wants you drunk on the Holy Ghost. Come on. Hey, you can't get drunk on Holy Ghost. Somebody should have told Peter and the rest of that bunch on the day of Pentecost. When everybody said, these guys are drunk. Peter said, we're not drunk like you think we're drunk. He didn't deny the fact that they weren't drunk. Come on. He said, be drunk with wine, for that's a reckless life. But be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 19. Speak to one another in Psalms. Poems, 
hymns, and what else? Spiritual songs. Those are not songs that just sing about Jesus. You could put that in the category of hymns. What is a spiritual song? It's a song that's sung when the person singing it is hearing from the throne. And they're hearing what is echoing in heaven. And they speak it forth for the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort of the church. He said, speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Last one, Colossians chapter 3. This is how easy prophecy happens. And you hear from God. Everyone under the sound of my voice today, you can hear from God. He speaks to you. I've never heard from God. Yes, you have. You just call it your conscience a lot of times. Or we call him an it. Or we call him a something. Something just told me. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, it just came over me. No, it didn't. He did. It, if I called Dee an it, what do you think she'd? I wonder how Holy Ghost feels when we say, well, it was good there today. No, he's good. Develop this one-on-one personal relationship with God, the Holy Ghost. He was there in the beginning. He is there in the end. Develop a one-on-one relationship with God, the Holy Ghost, because he's already moved into you, and he's brought gifts with him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the simple gift of prophecy that should be operating through the church and most of the time does and people don't even realize it. But my goal in this is for you to realize, be knowledgeable of Holy Spirit moving in your life. Prophecy should be one of the ones that is just absolutely moving quickly because you can all, when I should have brought that scripture out, 1 Corinthians, uh, what chapter was we in? 14. He said, they may all prophesy. He said, desire spiritual gifts, but especially prophecy. Why? So you can speak to edification, exhortation, and comfort of those who God puts in your path. Man, what a fun God we serve. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Oh, we glorify you in the presence of who you are. I thank you, Holy Spirit that you are moving in this place, that we can just move with you. And I thank you, Father, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak to us. We hear you from your throne, and we speak the good things that you speak to everyone around us so that everyone we come in contact with has known 
that they are in the presence of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.